Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I want winners. I want people that want to win. You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. You got to put your money where your mouth is, Pete. It's not gambling advice. Thursday, March 31st, welcome to Not Gambling Advice. Just a reminder, if you are currently watching this on YouTube, please subscribe, hit that subscribe button and the like button. And of course, we'd like to thank all the people listening on Spotify, Apple Pods, wherever you listen to your podcast. Colby, today we're drafting top 20 pitchers. And of course, you can find our full rankings on JustBaseball.com, more than the top 20. But in this episode, we're going to be drafting, just like we did outfield last week, pitchers this week. Colby, we just did sleeper pitchers as well. We're both pitching guys over hitters, so this is almost more fun for us. It's such a blast, man. And and I do want to qualify before we get into these top 20 that, you know, I did write up the top 20 pitchers going into the 2022 season, you know, a few months ago. And I will say for fantasy purposes, that list is like pretty solid in, in comparison to the way this fantasy list is going to be comprised of. But I will say that there are some guys, you know, that were off that top 20 that are going to be in this top 20. Um, just because for fantasy purposes, it's different statistics that we're following here. You know, it's it's the ERA, the whip and the wins that we're going to be focused on here um, for these guys and strikeouts. And two guys that are kind of low is a guy like Jacob DeGrom or Shane Bieber. Maybe they'd be higher on your top 10 overall pitchers list. But for us in fantasy, they're just coming off injury plague seasons. And we're just a little bit more worrisome of that. The guys in front of them may not necessarily be a better pitcher. For example, we have Garrett Cole as our number one fantasy pitcher. Jacob DeGrom is a better pitcher than Garrett Cole. It's close, of course. Garrett Cole maybe should have won the Cy Young last year, and he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. But objectively, Jacob deGrom is the best pitcher. But Jacob deGrom checks in at six on our fantasy baseball rankings because of the injury concerns. So I'll just rattle off the top 20, then we'll get to drafting. At number Ooh. 20. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, no. Well, you, well, you got something to say before? I was gonna, I was gonna say we could just like surprise everybody and just keep drafting and drafting. But yeah, I like that. It's it's good to go through the top 20. So number 20, Kevin Gosman on the new. Toronto Blue Jays. Also, Aaron Nola at number 19. Lucas Giolito at number 18. 17 is Robbie Ray. 16, Trevor Rogers. 15, Joe Musgrove. 14, Chris Sale. 13, Max Freed. 12, Sandy Alcantara. 11, Freddie Peralta. 10, Logan Webb. 9, Shane Bieber. Again, injuries. Is he better than that? Yes. But injuries, he's at 9. 8, Julio Arias. 7, Brandon Woodruff. 6, Jacob DeGrom. 5, Zach Wheeler. 4, Walker Bueller three Max Scherzer, two Corbin Burns, and number one, Garrett Cole. 
Last time in the outfield draft, you had first pick. This time, I want first pick. And with the number one pick, I will take our number one guy. That is Garrett Cole. Not much to say about Garrett Cole that you don't already know. He's an innings workhorse. You might call him a sticky stuff merchant. I think that's been blown out of proportion. He was much better down the stretch in September and October. And I know we had a blow up in the wild card game, but good thing for you. You don't have to count his playoff stats in your fantasy rotation in the regular season. He's a workhorse. He's going to strike out, may lead the league in strikeouts, has a chance at leading the American League in ERA. Garrett Cole is my number one pick in fantasy as a pitcher. And it's close with Corbin Burns, but the innings thing is the separator for me. Give me Garrett Cole. I'm not even going to add on to anything there. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head, Garrett Cole. I will touch on the sticky stuff stuff because I think that, that you're absolutely right there, that the sticky stuff down the stretch didn't concern Garrett Cole. He had an off season to work without the sticky stuff or they're going to have some other new sticky stuff. That's like within the limits of the MLB. Like I'm not sold that the guys are going to be out on that mound without some sort of something on their, you know, pants or something like they're going to figure out something. And I think we know, because most people know how good these pitchers are. So I think it's more important to talk about maybe where we would draft them when it comes to the upcoming draft, because Garrett Cole's his current ADP is number eight overall. He has a first round grade. And I think I would absolutely be okay taking him in the first round. What's the highest pick that you think Garrett Cole should garner? I consider him around pick five. Yeah. Five is when I start going, okay, let's see who came off before and see if I like anybody that, that maybe, you know, swept down the draft. Um, I like Boba at that five pick, but yeah, I think around five to six, like, Garrett Cole is a totally fine option. Agreed. With Tatis now dropping out of the first round completely, I have been toiling with Bo or Garrett Cole at the number five pick. And honestly, in I've been doing a lot of mock drafts. I go with Garrett Cole more than Bo because I like then how my team ends up a little bit better. But I don't think you could go wrong either way. But for me, just getting Garrett Cole in the first round, like you have the best pitcher in baseball, the stud at your top of the rotation, I've been gravitating towards that strategy going Garrett Cole over Boba Shett at that pick. And so this is, I'm going to get into my second pick. It's obviously Corbin Burns here at, at two, and he's only ADP going, you know, three slots really below Garrett Cole. But I think you could even consider him around the same uh, slot as Garrett Cole. I would take Garrett Cole before Corbin Burns because of the innings. But I mean, looking at what Corbin Burns did last season when he was on the mound, 167 innings, he had a 2.43 ERA, Peter, but his FIP was in the ones, his XERA was two. And so you're honestly getting a better pitcher than a 2.43 ERA guy. I mean, Jacob DeGrom put up a 1.55 ERA last season. And and I really do think that Corbin Burns could put up an ERA over a full season in the ones. So that might push me over taking Garrett. I might take Corbin Burns in that first round. I'm very comfortable taking Corbin Burns. If you get him at the eighth, ninth, 10th pick, super, super confident with taking him there. Um, I feel like we might not have seen the best of Corbin Burns yet. I mean, he's, he's only 27 years old and I think he makes one or two extra starts this year, pushes 175, 180 innings. Um, He's, he's like, to me, the Cy Young favorite for me right now, um, Jacob DeGrom, if he can stay healthy, obviously will take that from him, I think. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think you can go wrong with Corbin Burns. And I think you can feel confident that you're at the very least going to get an ERA at that 2-4, 2-5, what he did last year. 
This one, my next pick is very close, very close. It's between Max Scherzer and Walker Bueller. I don't think you could go wrong taking either of them. I'm just going to side with Max Scherzer now on the New York Mets. You know, I love Walker Bueller. I think there's a possibility he wins the signing in the National League. But what do I know that Max Scherzer is going to do? I know he's going to be a dog. He's already a dog in spring training. He's the psycho throwing five inning starts in spring training as a 37-year-old. The great thing about Max Scherzer, almost no injury concerns. Also, his mechanics themselves are extremely fluid, and he's just meant to be a workhorse. He's a guy who's probably going to strike up more batters than Walker Bueller. I think he has a possibility, again, to throw over 200 innings. Max Scherzer is my number three pick in fantasy for pitchers. Walker Bueller, I mean, uh, excuse me, Max Scherzer last year didn't get to 200 innings. I don't think he got to 200 innings in 2019 either. Um, that's my only concern, but but clearly I think he's the third pitcher here. And even if he doesn't get to 200, 200 innings, I don't think it's really going to matter. He's still going to strike out 220, 230 guys. He's going to turn in 30 starts, even if the Mets decide that they want to you know, take things a little bit slower with Max because he's, what, 35 now, 36? He's getting up there. Yeah. Um, if they only want, you know, maybe give him an extra rest day every now and again. I don't really think that hurts his fantasy value because when he is on the mound, he is, again, a 2-5, 2-3, you know, amazing, amazing arm um, with, you know, he doesn't walk a lot of batters. So you're getting great splits across the board. That's that's the thing. And the last part you said, he doesn't walk a lot of batters. Like he doesn't walk anyone. 5.2% walk rate last year, 0.89 whip. He's always been a really low whip guy because he commands the zone really well, better than Walker Bueller does. I think he's got more strikeout potential more and a less walk potential. Give me the lower whip. The ERAs are probably going to be pretty close and Walker Bueller may outduel him in innings possibly, but I still really like Max Scherzer. Yeah. So that'll be my second pick fourth overall. Uh, Walker Bueller and I'm super happy with this as well right now he's going ADP you know ahead of actually Max Scherzer as the fourth pitch or third pitcher off the board at, at 18 Max is going 19 so it's really just you know personal preference there um, but yeah you're gonna get that more longevity with Walker Bueller he threw 207 innings last year I think you're gonna get something close to that maybe he doesn't go as many I think 200 innings as well within reach he strikes out a batter inning you're gonna get over 200 strikeouts here I don't know if he's going to put up a 247 ERA again. Um, the peripherals for him were, were very solid. I mean, 310 XERA, 316 FIP. And I think he can outproduce those as well because he's going to give up, you know, weak contact. And the Dodgers defense is incredible. Um, so I'm super happy with him. I don't find myself drafting Walker Bueller or Max Scherzer in drafts for whatever reason. Like I tend to go with a bat because I really do like those bats in that 15 to 25 range. Um, but if you are a guy that, you know, you have to get Walker Bueller or you have to get Max Scherzer feel super confident in that pick. I'm in the same boat too. Like, like I said, you remember I was saying in, in drafts, I've been going with Garrett Cole and then I go get a bat. That's how my team ends up being a little bit better. So when you go bat than pitcher, I actually haven't done that really in fantasy drafts, but that would be kind of the strategy. If you get a bat and then you go Scherzer or Bueller, I don't hate that. And I haven't done it yet because Max Scherzer, Walker Bueller, they're not that far off of Garrett Cole. So if you can get a first round bat and then Walker Bueller and Max Scherzer, I think it's a pretty good strategy there as well. I'm going to counter that though, because I think that that some of the guys we're going to get to like the seventh, eighth, ninth ranked guys in this list could actually perform just as well, if not better than some of that, than Max Scherzer or, or Walker Bueller. So the value you're getting, I would say take the surefire second round bat 
and then get a guy in the third or fourth round that that is still going to be an ace. I think you're totally you, you, you might be pretty spot on, but I, there is no there's no wrong draft if you get Max Scherzer or Walker Buehler with the second round pick. It depends on what exactly bats are there. But for my next pick, I'm going to go with a guy who could outperform Walker Buehler and Max Scherzer next year. That's Zach Wheeler of the Phillies. That's my fifth pick. Wheeler is a guy who has incredible command of the zone. He's going to keep the whip down. Again, nasty stuff. He's going to strike out a ton of guys. He was one of four pitchers last year to actually pitch 200 innings. He's a workhorse. He's probably going to do it again. He has pretty fluid mechanics. I don't see a lot of injury risk in Zach Wheeler. Zach Wheeler, the Phillies with an improved Phillies team in general. My problem is, of course, with the Phillies that there's a possibility his ERA spikes because they have the worst defense humanly possible, but they're going to hit a lot wins are in his future i think there's a possibility that zach wheeler if he throws over 200 innings could lead the league in wins with the philadelphia phillies i really like this selection he does everything you need and i know he's gonna dominate love that pick peter love that pick um you know we haven't really heard much from is he is he gonna make the uh the opening day start or is he uh, is he going to be pushed back? Because he was dealing with some shoulder soreness. That's the only thing that, that concerns That's, me about Wheeler. You know what? You caught me there. You caught me there because I forgot about that. You caught me there. That's it's the only concern I have. That's the like, only concern. To me, it, at his current ADP, you know, Wheeler's going actually 28. I actually, I would rather take DeGrom at this point. Um, coming into the season, Wheeler, no health concerns until that shoulder soreness popped up. I was taking Wheeler over DeGrom all day. But if they both have the injury concerns, the, the ceiling you're getting with a healthy DeGrom versus a healthy Wheeler is, you know, tenfold. Um, so, yeah, I'd almost rather take DeGrom over Wheeler. But, you know, I don't think you can go wrong. So it is good. So Philly's ace, this is according to NBC Sports. This was back on March 13th that he is feeling good after being slowed. Um, I don't think he's going to miss that much time, but I agree. I think that was a bad pick there um, because he is. There is a possibility that he misses a few starts to start the season, but if he's feeling good, I don't think it's going to be that long. He's still a safe pick, but you're right. Be, be cautious there. That, that's probably on me. That's my bad. You know what happens, right? <laughs> it does happen. It happens in drafts, man. Like I, it happens all the time. Last night, I, I, you know, spent a little bit too much money on Joe Ryan than I probably should have. I got my guy, but it handicapped me for the rest of the draft. It just happens, right? You get kind of like trigger happy, and and it can work out too. It's a it's a good idea that I did this now in a mock draft, so that when people watching this, you're ready for your draft, knowing that Zach Wheeler is dealing with a little bit of shoulder soreness. So I'd rather make this mistake now on the podcast than make it in my actual draft. So there's there's a spin zone. I actually did well there. <laughs> I love a good Peter spin zone. Okay, this is a pick that I am I'm all over the map here because uh, now on the table is Jacob Degrom and Brandon Woodruff, which is which is crazy because Woodruff is the you know, still has a big ceiling, but but very much a big floor. Um, you're probably gonna get at the lowest, you know, a three ERA from this guy. He's going to make 30 starts. You know, he's never had injury concerns. Um, you know, it's it's the Brewers, man. It's the Brewers. Great defense. Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta. They just start talking to each other all the time. Brand Woodruff is a five pitch guy. Um, but then on the other hand, you have Jacob Degrom, right? Who had a one five five ERA. He had you know, the craziest pitching season we had ever seen really ever. And then he gets hurt. And so in my mind, I'm like, can he do that again if he's healthy? But it is again, 
that risk. It's almost like a guarantee that at some point this season, Jacob DeGrom is going to miss three weeks to a month with something. That's the only thing. So who are you drafting? So after thinking about it, I did go Corbin Burns with my first pick. Walker Buehler is an innings eater, but I feel like I just have to go Brandon Woodruff here. Just take the safe bet. He doesn't walk guys again. Um, and he's going to churn me out 180 innings. He had a 2.56 ERA last season. I could see him repeating that or even being better because last year really was like Brandon Woodruff's coming out party when he really came onto the scene as an ace. Um, we, sh- we should be talking about him as an ace. He's definitely an ace, even though he's not the best pitcher on his team. And I feel safe doing that. Jacob DeGrom, I'm just, I worry that if I take him, I'm going to be kicking myself all season because I'm dealing with, with slotting in guys. I'd rather, you know, have Brendan Woodruff the whole year than have half of the season of Jacob DeGrom's dominance and then a waiver wire guy. See now, Jacob DeGrom is the pick here. Or you could go Julio Arias, but Jacob DeGrom is the pick here. My thing is, I just picked Zach Wheeler. So now I have some injury concern on my pitching staff. But I'm still going to take him. Because the possibility at this point in drafts, I think you got to you got to go with him. You know, there's Julio Arias down there, there's Shane Bieber, but Jacob Degrom is Jacob freaking Degrom. We know he doesn't walk anyone. We know he doesn't strike anyone out. We know he throws 102 miles an hour. We know he throws a 93 mile slider. We know he throws a 91 mile an hour changeup that just bites. And he even threw it a curveball. Remember him looking into the uh, dugout. Um, one of the pitchers said that he should throw a first pitch curveball to get a strike. He did it. Then looked in the dugout. That's just what he can do. He can just steal strikes with a fourth offering because he doesn't care and he wants to make a joke out of it. That's the type of pitcher that Jacob Degrom is. He's one of the best I've ever seen in my entire life. And at this point. I got to take him, even though at this, he does have the injury concerns. And with a guy like that at 33 years old now, is it humanly possible to throw 102 miles an hour for a full season? That's a realistic question here. Is it humanly possible for him to keep up this level of performance? I will take Jacob DeGrom here, even though I am a bit scared. It's definitely a scary pick, but Peter, I, before Mets fans come at my my ass because I keep saying he had a one five five ERA, he had a one oh eight ERA. I was so gonna, that's yeah. just insane. Yeah, yeah, I, I'll correct myself there. But dude, what do you think his career ERA is, and when do you think the last time he had an ERA above two four three was? Because he, it's crazy. Like twenty seventeen or something. Twenty seventeen was the last time he had an ERA above two five at three five. His career ERA is 2-5. He had a 108 last year and had the best season ever, just throwing 100 consistently. If he's on the diamond, it, it's – it's it. I really do think – this might be outlandish. I think that Jacob deGrom, the version we're seeing when he's on the mound right now, is the greatest pitcher anybody has ever seen. You can't tell me otherwise. Like, you really can't. You can, you can tell me that Roger Clemens or Nolan Ryan or Pedro Martinez or, or you know, Sandy Koufax – no, no, no. They were the best pitchers we've ever seen. I disagree. I really do think that Jacob DeGrom in his current form, when he's healthy, throwing 100 with a 92-mile-an-hour slider and a changeup and just, like, attacking batters, he's at a 45% strikeout rate, best pitcher I've ever seen, and I think anybody's ever seen in their life. Yeah, you're not talking better all time. You're talking about at the peak of their power, who do you want on the mound one game to win it? That's Jacob DeGrom. The only person I would say is Pedro Martinez. That's the only person I think goes right. Randy Johnson's in that, in that conversation yeah, too. But like those ones. three, I'm, I, I really think I'm taking DeGrom over them. And I, mean, I, think about I it. have DeGrom a throws harder. DeGrom throws harder. You know, he has 
Pedro Martinez's changeup for Jacob DeGrom's slider. I'd probably take Martinez's changeup, but it's close. And Martinez's changeup is one of the best pitches of all time. Might be the best off-speed pitch of all time. And Jacob DeGrom's slider is right there while throwing harder than Pedro Martinez with command. And he has a changeup if he needs it. But he just goes first four innings like all fastballs. He's like, I dare you. I dare you. Then he might give up one home run. He's like, all right, I'll throw a slider. Then he goes eight innings, one run, because he gave up that one home run. Like, that's the type of pitcher Jacob DeGrom is. I have to take him. I have to take him, Colby. I have to. You, Of course you have to take him, man. Of course you have to take him there. I was potentially going to take him over Brandon Woodruff. But I digress. I'm going to move on to my next selection. This one's tough as well, because you have Julio Urias. You have Shane Bieber in this, in this range. Even Logan Webb you could reach for here, I think. Um, I'm going to go with Urias. Again, it's the safe bet i know that i'm gonna get solid production for the whole year last year was we talked we talked about this a lot on the just baseball show at one time you know julio urias everybody thinks he's been around forever because he has he's been around in the big since 2016 but over that time he had barely thrown you know 250 innings last year was really his first year 185 innings a 296 era 310 xera and you want to talk about a guy that doesn't walk anybody he had a 5.1 you know, walk rate 1.84 walks per inning or uh, walks per nine, excuse me. Um, <laughs> and this is a guy that limits hard contact. So he's, he's not going to strike out everybody. He has a 26% K rate, which is, you know, not on the upper end. A lot of the guys we've been talking about are in the 30 to 35% range, but I don't think it matters because with Julio Urias, you're getting a very, very low whip. You're going to get a low ERA. I think he could even put in a season, around a two, five ERA. Um, and you're getting a lot of innings pitch. I think he, he gets close to 200 innings pitch this year. The Dodgers are the greatest team on earth. He had 20 wins last year. That's one thing that you have to look at here is he could be the wins leader again. And this Dodgers team is, is maybe the best lineup we've ever seen. So um super happy with Julio Rios and a guy I'm targeting in my own drafts. We just did our betting preview, right? Wins, home runs, leader strikeouts, all that hits stolen bases. And we both bet on Julio Arias plus 2,000 to lead the league in wins. And he could probably do it again. And he did it last year at 20 wins. He plays on the best team of all time, basically, in the Los Angeles Dodgers. Like this team that we're about to see, uh, I think they came out, their win totals at 99 and a half. And we're going to start doing win totals next week as it gets closer to the season. Like, I think we got to bang the hell out of that one. And Julio Arias is going to be a big reason why. So I might as well just stay on par here and take another injury risk. In Shane Bieber at number nine, I know, I know. My team is looking a little decrepit right now, but if they all stay healthy, I have the greatest pitching rotation in the history of the world. Because Shane Bieber is a guy who can win a Cy Young, has already won a Cy Young. He is a strikeout artist, probably the best overall curveball in the sport. Guardians know how to develop pitching. He's at the top. He doesn't walk anybody, limits hard contact, limits the home run. Everything you could like about a pitcher Shane Bieber does. My thing is, all he has to do is stay healthy. But to start the season, all signs point to he is healthy. So give me Shane Bieber at number nine. So speaking of DeGrom and his 1.08 ERA in 90 whatever innings last year, Shane Bieber was near that level in 2020. He had 1.63 ERA in 77.1 innings and, and the, the peripherals backed it up. I mean, a 2.54 XERA, a 2.07 FIP. 
And he was striking out Peter 41% of batters. Nobody else except Agram is doing that at that level. Um, the problem for him last year is that his velo decreased. He was at 94 miles an hour average in 2020. Last year was down to 92. Um, in videos I've seen as of late, Degrom was or um, Bieber that is was back up to 94, 95, 96, which is super super encouraging. Um, the promising thing here with Bieber is a lack of news. I think nobody has, he, nothing has come out about his arm being, you know, in poor shape. He hasn't needed to rehab at all. He looks to be in fine form. And I actually buy that he is healthy. I don't think, I think the injury concerns last year were lingering a little bit, but he had a full off season to, to recover. And I really don't see them lingering into this season that much. I'm not going to put too much weight on his injury risk here. Um, this is a guy that, that, you know, I almost wish I grabbed before Julio is because he went on is a top three to top four pitcher in baseball and, and should be ranked that way. You know, if he is healthy. So this is a great pick, Peter. I wouldn't be as worried about his, you know, I wouldn't put his injury concerns on the level that DeGrom's are. Agreed. And we may have to rank him a little bit higher. We may have to change up a little bit of these rankings now that Zach Wheeler, maybe is he ready? Maybe he drops down a few spots. Maybe we rise up Shane Bieber as he looks a little bit more healthy. And to the conversation about the velo, like Shane Bieber, the way he pitches, he tunnels with the high fastball, but he can also locate it low in the zone, but he tunnels off that amazing curveball. If the fastball is 90 to 92 versus 94 to 96, it's a completely different at bat for a lot of headers because you have to show up for 94 to 96. Like you really have to be on time well 90 to 92 much easier to adjust off the curveball so when he's throwing 94 to 96 he is one of like you said the top three top four pitchers in baseball we've seen it so far in the spring he's a guy to target as other people are concerned about his injuries which it it is something to monitor but if you want to be a little risky he's a guy who could win you your league Peter you know what's crazy here I'm moving to my next pick is I'm picking Logan Webb but the crazy thing is here, right? We have him ranked in the top 10 as a fantasy arm. He's ranked 20th among all pitchers. So that's including relief pitchers here, but probably around 15 on starters fantasy wise. And he's being drafted ADP 67. So their loss. Their loss. Absolutely. Right. So I think we're underrating what Logan Webb's abilities are here. He, he's a guy that gets soft contact, much like Julio Rios, soft contact, but strikes out a lot of guys, right? Sinker, slider, changeup, mix amazing Giants defense. And on our betting episode the other day, I talked about Logan Webb possibly leading the league in wins. He really is that good. The games that the Giants, you know, if their lineup isn't to their standards, if they're as a team not playing up to the level that they did last year, Logan Webb in, in games that he starts, they won't have that problem. They're going to win the games that Logan Webb starts. Camilo Duvall is going to get the saves in those games. And I am very, very confident in Logan Webb not walking guys, striking guys out. And having an ERA, you know, around three or right under three. Logan Webb proved himself in the postseason as one of the best pitchers in the sport. He strikes out guys, doesn't walk people, limits soft contact. And Cody Bellinger said it the best. He shoves it up our ass. The best lineup, maybe next to the Astros last year, he shoves it up their ass. Logan Webb is up next and he's a steal if you could draft him as the 15th. And I think he's a great pick drafting him at 10th best pitcher in baseball. Like he is a guy, if you let him slide, I am picking him up in drafts. I love Logan Webb. And he would also be my next pick as well. 
um, even though he's going 15th or 20th overall out of all pitchers. So my next pick is another Brewer. I really love Freddie Peralta. We pegged him last year as the next guy who's going to be up, and he delivered. He had an ERA under three. He was striking out batters at an incredible rate with a phenomenal fastball near 95, 96 miles an hour with one of the best sliders in the sport. We keep saying best sliders, but really, Freddie Peralta out of all starters has one of the best sliders in the entire sport. He's going to win many games in that 95-win Brewers team from last year that Looks pretty similar. I mean, they're a little bit worse offensively, I guess, but a full year of Willie Adamez. I don't think, I think 95 wins is still possible, especially in an NL Central that just isn't as good as it was last year. Freddie Peralta, I love the pick and I'll take him 11. Dude, this is a great pick here. He had the fifth lowest hard hit rate among starters last year while getting an insane amount of whiffs. The only knock that you could possibly make on Freddie Peralta is that he's just not going to reach the innings that these other guys are. But I still don't think that's necessarily true. He threw, what, 160 innings last year. Um, He really wasn't able to get to that 200 number. But I think he'll get closer to that 180 number this year. Remember, he was a reliever in 2019 and 2020. just transitioned to being a starter last year. Another offseason to formally build up as a starter is going to give him that extra strength to, to throw the extra innings. And man, this guy is, is wipeout. I mean, he Dude. reminds me a bit of, you know, like imagine if Nathan Eovaldi was better like that. That's who Freddie Peralta is. <laughs> I mean, think about this for a second. He has the lowest opponent batting average against last season for all of pitchers who qualify. Nobody can hit him. Nobody can hit him. And he's my 11th pick. He struck out less than six batters and just six out of 28 starts last year. What's consistent, consistent week to week consistency. So do your 12th pick, then we'll go over our six that we've taken and then we'll get into the bottom eight. Cool. This pick for me is, is quite an easy one. And I may have taken him over Freddie Peralta because I think he's just a different pitcher. So depending on how you're structuring your team and how you want to structure your rotation, Sandy Alcantara is a great selection here. He is an innings eater. You know, he was one of what two or three guys to throw over 200 innings last year. He's not going to have the same strikeout numbers that a lot of these other guys are. He strikes out, you know, about a batter an inning. But if you're throwing 200, 205, 210 innings in a season, you are going to strike out, you know, 220 in a season. Um, he doesn't walk anybody. He gets a ton of ground balls. And at this point in this draft, my sixth overall selection, I'm loving it. In drafts, though, I will say, that Sandy Alcantara might be getting a little bit overdrafted right now. I think he, a lot of people are on the hype train on the, on the Sandy Alcantara gravy train and almost expecting him to vault into this Cy Young, you know, guy. And I I don't necessarily think that he is a Cy Young guy. He could be in a really, really good season, Um, but he's getting drafted ADP 43. So just consider that when I just took Logan Webb, you know, ADP 67 above him. Uh, But nonetheless, super happy to have Sandy Alcantara in this draft. I agree. Sandy Alcantara, great pitcher and one of four pitchers, like you said, to go over 200 innings. My only thing with Sandy Alcantara, why I prefer Freddie Peralta. Yes, Sandy's got the innings, but he didn't even strike out a batter per inning last year. He had a whip at 1.07 with a 6% walk rate. He doesn't walk basically anybody, but the whip was a little bit high. He does give up a little bit of contact, but he throws a hundred miles an hour. He's got a sinker slider, change up four seam curveball mix. 
And if you go look at who's hitting his pitches, nobody's hitting his pitches. He's six foot five, 200 pounds. He actually looks bigger than that. Um, when you watch him pitch and he's only 26 years old, my only thing is, I don't know how many wins he's going to get either. And, and the only reason I'm poking little holes is because he's getting drafted so high. There's so many positives around him. And I would agree with you. I would take him at this spot right after Freddie Peralta, but I would take him after Freddie Peralta because of that. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that absolutely makes sense. I mean, even Freddie Peralta is being taken, you know, 12 selections after Alcantara. So I think the value from a value perspective, we like Webb and Peralta much, much higher than, than Alcantara. Not Alcantara. much. Is it little... Alcantara? Is it Alcantara? Alcantara? I've heard it like four different ways. That's the thing. I even asked Aram at the beginning of like the beginning of the Just Baseball show. I'm like, is it Sandy Alcantara or Sandy Alcantara? And he's like, I don't know. And I'm like, you watch Marlins games. And he's like, the announcers call it two different things too. And I'm like, what? Come on. Do we not know? And then I try to look it up and I'm like, I can't. I think it's Alcantara. And I keep saying Alcantara, but I, Sandy Alcantara. Let's, let's go with that. Yeah, we'll, we've we'll seen him a million times and we can't figure out his name. My next selection is Max Fried of the Atlanta Braves, a guy who strikes a lot of people out, a guy who doesn't walk anybody, and a guy who's in line for a ton of wins with the Braves next season. This is a guy who outperforms his peripherals. He's just a really, really good pitcher with the fastball and the curveball. He's like a young Clayton Kershaw in that way. The curveballs are almost identical. And I want to throw it to you because you even wrote about that on JustBaseball.com. Yeah, man. So Max Fried, Max Fried's awesome with his, you know, high fastball, nasty, nasty curveball that that I rated, I believe, number one and two in baseball. Uh, this pitch is is, you know, as I I actually reached out to Pitch Ninja on Twitter. I tagged him and said, Hey, you should take a look at you know Clayton Kershaw and Max Fried's movement profiles because they look exactly the same, right? They drop the same amount. They sweep the same amount. And when, so he actually created an overlay for me, which was super cool to see posted. It blew up. Um, literally Max Reed's curveball is Clayton Kershaw's curveball. So that, that can give you, you know, sort of an idea of the ability that Max Reed has on the mound. And he, he tunnels it super well with a high fastball. Um, another guy that gets a ton of weak contact and the Braves defense is super solid behind him. A really good team. Um, he's going to be in line. He won 14 out of 28 starts last year. He's going to be in line for probably more wins than that. And, and as I mentioned in the betting episode, this bullpen is just so good that they're going to, they're going to hold any lead that he gives them. And I think that he's ready to make the jump in innings as well. He had 165 last year. I think he makes the jump to close to 180. And I think he has the possibility of going into 200, just a possibility though. I don't think it's probable, but I think it's possible and he does strike out a lot of guys, but he doesn't strike out a batter per inning, or at least he didn't last year, but he has multiple pitches with over a 30% whiff rate. He's just a really, really good pitcher. And I think his fastball command is going to improve next year as he works on that over the offseason. I really like Max Freed next year. I just think he's all around a really safe and really solid fantasy option because he's also... He hasn't been a guy, at least if I remember correctly, I'll go check out his innings real quick. But yeah, he made 30, 30 starts in 2019. He made 11 starts in 2020. I mean, 28 starts last year. So a clean bill of health, at least for the last three years. Peter, I'm going to go off the beaten path of my next pick here. I have done the safe option through the, this entire draft while you've taken seemingly every single high-risk guy with some sort of injury concern. And I kind of want to get on get in on that a little bit. So I'm going to take Chris Sale, um, who right now is dealing with a rib injury. 
Um, and last year was recovering from Tommy John. So there was a little concern last year, came back. His Vila was not up to the 97, 98, 99 we were used to seeing. But nonetheless, I, I think that Chris Sale can perform, you know, even if he's throwing 92 to 95 different, you know, he was mixing in different velocities with each pitch, even differing movements on his slider. He had, he threw like two different sliders last year, which was really cool. One sweeper, one with more downwards, like slurvy action. Um, and then, you know, he, he has the signature changeup. That's like always one of the best pitches in baseball guys just seem to not square that up to ground ball machine. Um, when healthy, Peter, this guy's an animal, right? Even last year when he came back in 42 innings, he had a 3.16 ERA and I don't even think was fully healthy. Now the rib injury, it's a stress fracture, which is kind of a weird injury. I I don't know what to think about that. Like, is his body falling apart? Um, But I think I got to get on the risky stuff here for this draft itself. I don't know if I'm necessarily going to be drafting Chris Sale on my actual fantasy team just for that injury concern reason. I mean, he's being taken ADP 77 guys. You can get around that are Jose Barrios, Joe Musgrove, even Max Freed, just five picks before him. I would much, much rather select Max Freed than Chris Sale. But in this draft, I'm, I, you know, I hedged a little bit with a lot of safe guys so I can feel confident that I can, you know, leave this draft with one guy that's high upside injury risk. And that's where we talk about draft strategy, right? Because in this draft, you look at the rest of your team, you have a lot of really safe options. So you can afford to reach for a guy like Chris Sale who could finish top 10 in fantasy and pitchers. Like he really could. He's that type of pitcher, the strikeout artist, the non walks. Like he's just, it's Chris Sale. We all know about Chris Sale and the Boston Red Sox. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball when he's healthy. But if you're looking at your draft and maybe, you know, you're down here, right? Maybe you've only selected one pitcher. I'd be worried about getting Chris Sale. Like there's guys like Joe Musgrove or Trevor Rogers or Robbie Ray, or maybe even Giolito that I might feel more comfortable in just because especially that rib to start the season. That's why I'm a little bit weary, but in this draft, it's a great pick. So for my next pick, give me Joe Musgrove of the San Diego Padres. This guy had a three, one, eight ERA last year. He's striking out. Oh my God striking out 27 batters, 27% of hitters last year, finished 11 and nine, struck out over a batter per nine innings. He doesn't really walk anyone, 7.2% walk rate. And I just love his arsenal of pitches. That fastball, he only threw it 20% of the time last year, but he tunnels it really well with his slider and curveball. And it's one of the highest spin fastballs in the sport, 99th percentile of fastball spin. You add one of the best sliders from a starter, as well as a really, really solid curveball. I mean, even the curveball performed better than the slider did last year. Like he has two plus plus offerings, but it's funny. Hitters hit pretty well off the fastball, but it wasn't expected. 316 batting average against the fastball, 270 expected batting average. I think Joe Musgrove is going to be even better next year in the San Diego Padres rotation. Made 31 starts last year. Let me just quickly see. Uh, Yeah, because I remember in 2020 with the Pittsburgh Pirates, he dealt with a little bit of an injury, but in 2019 with the Pirates, he made 31 starts. And then in 2021, he made 31 starts. This is not a guy who you really have to worry about. Obviously, freak injuries could happen, but moving forward, he's not a guy who we're putting any sort of injury worries on. So I really like Joe Musgrove at the spot. Now you've laid me up to take a guy that I actually left off of my top 20 pitchers list which is crazy, but in fantasy, this dude is a freak. So it's Robbie Ray, the Cy Young winner last year. He's moving from Toronto to Seattle, which I actually think helps his case. Uh, Seattle is, you know, always been one of the best pitchers ballparks in the league. 
he was the strikeout leader last year, 248 strikeouts and 193 innings. I see him going near 200 innings again and, and near 250 strikeouts. Um, you're getting, I don't think you're going to get a 284 ERA, which was able to win him the Cy Young. I really just don't think that's possible for him. Um, you know, his peripherals were 36 XERA, 37 FIP. He's probably going to move back somewhere to, you know, 3334 ish range, maybe a little bit. He can, he can up do that. I don't think he's going to go back to a three, seven, three, eight guy. Um, the only thing that does concern me with Robbie Ray moving to the Mariners is their outfield defense is not the best for a flyball pitcher. Um, Kyle Lewis is not that healthy in center field. And even when he is healthy in center field, he's not the best defensively. Kalanick is, is decent at best in right field. Julio Rodriguez is going to be a solid option in the outfield, but again, not a plus fielder by any means. So um, he might lose a little bit of value there, but it's not like the Blue Jays had, you know, superstars in the outfield either. Teoscar Hernandez was in right field and, and you know how bad he is out there. So um, I could see him doing a little bit of regression, but from a fantasy perspective, Robbie Ray is, is a stud in fantasy. And you're talking about the future outfield of the Mariners too, because they just got Jesse Winker, who's one of the worst defenders in the outfield. And Mitch Hanniger is also terrible defensively in right field. So where, however you slice it, you're totally right on about that. And I think what we're in the same boat about Robbie Ray, I think everyone's expecting him to just like be terrible again. And I have no idea why he learned something with the blue Jays with the, one of the best pitching coaches in baseball in Pete Walker. He looked like a different pitcher. His command was much stronger. He figured something out. Robbie Ray is a great selection here, but a guy who I've, we have ranked just a spot higher is Trevor Rogers of the Miami Marlins. So if Rogers didn't go out with an injury last year, I think he would have won the rookie of the year over Jonathan India. Like he was amazing. He had an ERA under three. He doesn't walk anyone. He strikes a lot of guys out. He has a phenomenal changeup, really good fastball, good command of the strike zone. And I know he's young and I am curious to see how the league adjusts to him in year two, but I think he's such a smart pitcher. And I think that was proven last year. And just when you hear him talk as well, he's a quieter guy, but he just understands how to pitch. And he's a pitchability guy who throws 95. I think he's going to be phenomenal again for the Marlins next year. My only thing is the concern on wins and how much will they stretch him out in year two. That's my only thing. But I think in those innings that he gives you are going to be really, really solid innings. And I think of the innings, he could be a top 10 pitcher, but I don't think he's going to get to 200 innings. That's what's going to keep him out of it. I would compare him to Freddie Peralta because Freddie Peralta is another guy that, that has those concerns of how long is he going to pitch? Is he going to get to 180, 190 innings? And, and, you know, I think conservatively he's going to get to 170, 180. And I think I see the same with Trevor Rogers. What you're getting with Trevor Rogers is amazing splits while he's on the mound. His changeup is, was on my best changeups in baseball article, 33% whiff rate, you know, a 199 average against his fastball is one of the best in baseball, 300 Woba against 27% whiff rate is well above average there. And then he does mix in, you know, a slider only 14% of the time, but that pitch has a 40% whiff rate. So like this guy can throw any pitch he wants to, to attack batters. And it's going to be a plus offering. Um, the Marlins, yes, don't give you the wins, you know, potential that another team does. But Trevor Rogers is a guy that that by the end of this season, you know, could be in the Cy Young picture. I know that the NL Cy Young picture is is so loaded, but he will have his name in that hat if he can do what he did last year. And I see no reason why he can't from a stuff perspective because the stuff is there. 
And not only that, dude, I think the value of where he's getting drafted is so phenomenal. Pick 94 in ADP, he's going behind Frankie Montas. He's going behind Dylan Cease. He's going behind Chris Sale, Jose Barrios, Joe Musgrove. He's going in front of Charlie Morton. I think that's a great spot for him. I would take him above Frankie Montas. I think he's right in that Dylan Cease conversation, but I actually do think that he has a very possibility of outperforming Dylan Cease, just especially from an ERA perspective. Like Dylan Cease, you know, he could be in the 3-6-3-7, while Trevor Rogers could have an ERA under three. Trevor Rogers will most likely walk less hitters than Dylan Cease will as well. I just think Trevor Rogers is a great pick and he's going just way later in drafts than I really thought he was. So my next pick is Lucas Giolito, who's actually being taken quite high, I believe around 50 ADP right now. Um, this guy's consistent. He's very, very consistent. He in 2019 to 2021 has had an ERA between three, four and three, five, five. So he's just always ending up in a super solid place for you. Again, he doesn't walk a lot of guys. He will get you the K numbers. He struck out, you know, what did he strike out last year? 28% of batters. And it was a tale of two halves for him last year. He was leaving balls over the heart of the plate in the beginning of last year. He had a 4.15 ERA going up into the all-star break, gave up 18 home runs in 18 games, which you just have to, you have to know that was going to normalize. Like he's not going to give up. He might be a home run prone guy, but he's absolutely not going to give up a home run game. Like it's just unheard of. Um, so he did finish the year in the second half with a two, six, five ERA, which led to him, you know, splitting the season at that two, five ERA. So I think he actually has the potential to, to put up a three, one, a three, two ERA in a full season of dominance and location. Will that location, you know, stay with him all year long? I don't think it does for any pitcher. But if he doesn't have a blow-up half again, if he can, you know, minimize those blow-ups to just a few starts, we we could really be enjoying here, you know, a Lucas Giolito breakout of sorts, right? We know he's a top 20 pitcher, but can he take his game to that next level and really become like a solidified top 10 pitcher that we always thought he would be as a prospect? I just don't know if he's ever going to be a top 10 pitcher, but I do think that he can improve just because the top 10 is so good. Yeah. I mean, who's he knocking off, right? It's just, there's some of the best pitchers I've ever seen, like in this top 10, it's so loaded, but can he be a top 15 pitcher and like be one of the best pitchers in baseball? Absolutely. He's got that in him. So my next pick, and actually before we do my next pick, let's go over because we said that we were going to go over it and then we just kept drafting. Let's just go to the end because we only have two left. Fine. All right, let's talk. My next pick is interesting because this guy is getting drafted really high. So when I looked at the ADP, like Aaron Nola is going right after Julio Arias and I'm selecting him now. So he's going to make my team now, but if I'm looking in drafts, he's not a guy who I want to draft near Julio Arias. I just think there's a lot of better options than him because of that Phillies defense people like Aaron Nola gives up a lot of contact. He gives up a lot of home runs that was proven last year. Is he a really good pitcher with incredible secondaries and a solid fastball? Yes. He has the potential to be a three, 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 five ERA guy. He has the potential to win a Cy Young. If everything's on, like when he's on, he's amazing, but he's a guy whose ERA was in the fours. Do I think he's going to have an ERA in the fours again? No, but I wouldn't be shocked if he's three, eight, three, nine. So, He's just a little bit lower for me, but he's also a workhorse. He's a guy who can hit 200 innings this year. So I still really like Aaron Nola. I think he's a really good pitcher. I think he's a great fantasy option, but I just wouldn't take him as high as near the Julio Rias of the world. There's just a lot of players that I would prefer. 
Expected stats, Peter, are your best friend in pitching analysis, right? We, we look at what are the best predictors in terms of predicting future value for pitchers, right? It's K rate, it's walk rate, it's hard hit rate against, it's, you know, XERA, FIP, those take that into account. Yes, Aaron Nola was giving, was giving up a lot more fly balls last year, which led to more home runs for him. But all in all, he's not a 4.63 ERA guy, right? No. His XERA was 3.37. His FIP was 3.37, right? So in a perfect world, I really do think that Aaron Nola is more of a 3.2 to 3.3 guy. Agreed. Do we live in a perfect world? We do not. We do not, unfortunately. So the Phillies defense might be the worst of, of all time in terms of D- DRS. We went, we went over that you know, last week in one of our episodes, how every single position they have a negative DRS guy. Thank God they have JT Romuto behind the plate. Uh, because if they didn't, it... I, this is disgusting but even then right so i i I think i said it in the last in that episode like i fear that aaron nola is going to have a 2-8 fip and a 4-2 or 4-3 era because of this phillies defense which in real life like in we can play these fake simulation games that i love to play right i'm the analytics guy but when it comes down to fantasy world it's it's the it's the game on the field and and it's just clear that this phillies defense is not going to do any favors to Aaron Nola and even Zach Wheeler, but I think Zach Wheeler has a better chance to overcome those because he puts the ball on the ground more. Um, so yeah, I'm staying away from Aaron Nola this year. I just, I just need to see, you know, can, can he, can he succeed with this Phillies offense or defense? He's I, one I, of the most polarizing pitchers in baseball because you watch him and it's like, wow, he's got four plus pitches and he can throw wherever he wants and he throws a lot of strikes. So he doesn't walk guys, but even JT Ramuto, his catcher said this, he was controlling the ball. He wasn't commanding the ball. You look at his heat maps. A lot of stuff is middle. He gives up a lot of fly balls. He gives up a lot of line drives. He doesn't put the ball on the ground that much. But you, but individually, you're like, wow, if he could just put it together with a good defense, this is a potential Cy Young winner. But he just hasn't performed like that. And you're based on fantasy off his production, not his ex-FIP or his FIP, which are great indicators of being able to predict for next year. But just it's context field, driven though you need to take the context exactly. into account and the Phillies defense is just too poor exactly that's why Arnola but still could be a great fantasy pitcher and he's being drafted high for a reason because of the 200 innings he could strike out 230 guys but and he's not going to walk anybody either so the whip's going to be low he's going to win a lot of games on the Phillies hopefully but that ERA is just like what drops him down for me but he could outperform that could be egg on our face but it's just from what we've seen, that's what we're projecting. I will take egg on the face. Aaron Nola drafted in the top 50 all day long. I'm just all staying long. Just staying Agreed. Agreed. Um, Okay, so this gets us into the last pick of the draft here. And I guess I don't really have a choice, but I'm pretty happy with the selection from a fantasy perspective. It's Kevin Gosman, who is now traveling from the West Coast to the East Coast up to Canada. He's going to be pitching in Toronto this year. Last year was insane for Kevin Gosman. He had a 281 ERA. Um, the Giants defense seemingly like sweeped up every single ground ball he could possibly put on the ground because he is the ultimate ground ball pitcher. I mean, he puts everything on the ground. What's his ground ball rate? Not the ultimate, 41%, but still he, he has this good. nasty, nasty splitter that he threw, you know, 25% in 2020. He upped the usage to 35, even 40% last year. Um, and that splitter is going to be the reason for his success. The only the only reason I see some regression back to, you know, he had a 362 ERA in 2020, which is a small sample, but I could see kind of a middle range between that 281 ERA and that 362 ERA, especially moving from a pitcher's ballpark to um, not a hitter-friendly ballpark by any means, but like a, a pretty neutral ballpark plus the AL East is just 
a freaking bloodbath, man. A freaking bloodbath. Every single team they're going to be facing, even the Orioles offensively are, are, are competent. Um, and so I could see him ending up, you know, 3-3 three, three to 3-5, three, but it still makes him valuable. And he's a low whip guy regardless. He doesn't walk anybody. Um, he's being taken around ADP 70. I like him there. I really like him um, moving over to the AL East. I wouldn't if he was a super fly ball prone guy, but like you said, he's a guy who keeps the ball on the ground. I think the only thing that we have to discuss here is there are three pitchers on the Blue Jays who are all going to be really good next year. And they're all kind of being drafted around the same area in Alec Manoa, Jose Barrios and Kevin Gosman. I came to you and I said, I would rank Kevin Gosman first. He's being drafted higher than all of them, but I think you can make the argument that Alec Manoa could have a better season. Jose Brios, I do give me Gosman, give me Gosman over Brios right now, but Alec Manoa's potential is the best pitcher in this rotation. In my opinion, how would you rank them in terms of fantasy though? Because again, Alec Manoa, we don't know how many innings the Blue Jays are going to push him out to with Gosman and Brios. We know what we're going to get, but I'm talking on straight talent alone. Could Manoa jump them as the ace of the Blue Jays rotation by next year? I, I maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, I think he has a big mountain to climb in his second season. Um, put up a three, two, two ERA last season, which, you know, is leaving a, a great taste in everybody's mouth. And even mine, I mean, this was a guy I loved even as a prospect, he has this sweeper slider um, attacks guys with a, a really good sinker too. Um, but I just wonder if there is a little bit of sophomore slump, not based on because of he loses any stuff, but more so that the AL East gets to see him more. And, and these, these stacked lineups get to see Alec Manoa more and kind of figure out how they can, you know, adjust to his pitches. And it might take Alec Manoa a little bit to adjust this year to how he's attacking better. So that's the only reason I, I maybe this year don't see the same upside as a Gosman or a, or a Barrios. But, you know, in the future, I could see it. I think we'd both rank them Gosman, Brios, Manoa for right now. Are you yeah. in on that? Yeah, Agreed. totally in on that. And that's how they're being drafted. And just another thing about Kevin Gosman, he's being taken pretty high in drafts on 68 ADP. It's a little bit too high for us but he's still a great fantasy option. Maybe then if we're getting later in drafting, Gosman gets taken highly. That's when you go grab Manoa. If he's getting taken around 180 P or 90 P, like that's a better idea in my opinion, than reaching for Gosman in the 65 range. I don't know. See, I disagree. I disagree because I don't think Manoa is going to pitch more than 150, 160 innings. And I, I really am confident that Gosman gets to 190 um, and keeps a low whip. Manoa just, just has this, I love Manoa as a pitcher and as a prospect, I loved him, but I just feel like he is going to struggle a little bit in this AL East this year, a little bit, just because hitters are going to adjust to him some way. I think he's going to be awesome. So agree to disagree. Going back to our draft, I'm going to take, so this is just who we took. This is the draft. I took Garrett Cole. Then I took Max Scherzer, Zach Wheeler, Jacob deGrom, Shane Bieber, Freddie Peralta, Max Freed, Joe Musgrove, Trevor Rogers and Aaron Nola. And who'd you take? So Peter is team question mark with all the upside in the world. I am team pretty good upside, less question marks. Corbin Burns, Walker Bueller, Brandon Woodruff, then Urias, Logan Webb, who could, you know, outproduce his current ADP. We both are on that. Really, really target him in your drafts. Uh, Sandy Alcantara, who we think might be a little bit overvalued. And then I went with Chris Sale, the one injury risk guy I had to, had to, had to join you, Pete. 
Robbie Ray, who is the, you know, ex-AL Cy Young, but, you know, moving to a different ballpark and a different team, see some regression there. Lucas Giolito, and then finally Kevin Gosman. Pretty good draft. And what we need you guys to do is vote on at just baseball fans on Instagram. We're going to make a graphic giving you our draft of fantasy pitchers. Need you to vote there. And with that, thank you, everybody.